Welcome. Just a couple of announcements, actually. We've just had our deacons meeting uh, via Zoom once again, and um, Pastor David has mentioned this uh, several times before in business meetings and uh, and so forth. But um, it has been proposed to sell the vehicles. Um, I'm sure many of you are aware. The finance committee and the deacons and the leadership are uh, unanimously decided to uh, go ahead with that. Um, so that is happening, and that's a decision that was finalized during the lockdown. Uh, so we are informing the church of this decision, uh, and there has been um, um, some interested buyers. Uh, so that is something that is in the pipeline and that is something that has recently been finalized um, and we are busy acting on that. Um, today's message is from First Timothy and I'd like to pray before we get into it. Lord, once again, thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives, for your many blessings, for your many blessings, and we thank you for this time, for this message now. Amen. To be able to pray is is sometimes such an overlooked or um, underappreciated thing. It's so amazing if you think about it. To be able to approach the throne of God in prayer, in the power of the Spirit, through the blood of Jesus Christ, it's... It's this amazing, amazing thing. The Bible has instruction for us on it. It teaches us what the content of our prayer should be, who we need to pray for, what prayer is not. And as a church, that applies to us as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul exhorts Timothy and the church to pray. And this is what he says. Today we're just going to look at the first three verses of chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. The content of of our corporate prayer. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a 
quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. <clears throat> you know, the church has has always had a strange relationship with the governing bodies of the land, with the world. We as individuals were told to be in the world, but not of the world. Pilgrims just passing through. But how are we to live out that command as a church? This line in the sand that we draw and this is where we interact and meet with the world. What is that line? Well, it's prayer. That is where our interaction begins. And usually that interaction is with government. It's interesting how he tells us to fill the content of our prayers for the people in charge. <laughs> so let's look at it. Firstly, what to pray. And there are a few things. Supplication. Prayer. We're going to get to that. Intercession. And giving of thanks. So Paul, through exhortation, commands Timothy to have this happen in the church. Supplication. In other words, for our... to supply what is lacking. To bring what is needed and to pray for someone else requires us to consider their needs and to bring it before God. Before we apply that to government, let's just think about that as a concept. <coughs> that we are constantly in need and to rely on God for all our needs. There's a very, I, I think, wrong saying. Um, it's, it's not specifically from the Bible and I don't think it's ever applied correctly. Um, God helps those who help themselves, right? The idea, don't be lazy, just get up and do it. Um, I think there's very little truth in that saying. In fact, God wants us to be dependent on Him. God wants us to... 
acknowledge him as the giver and sustainer not just of our physical needs but of everything we cannot live independently from our creator or do anything in our own power we pray for the what is lacking in the in the lives of the people around us supplication the other is prayer pray about prayer <laughs> The idea there is devotion. <laughs> to come to God in prayer for others, knowing that he is God. Lord, you are on your throne, and so I pray. Lord, you are sovereign and almighty, and so I pray. intercession coming near to God on behalf of another this does not always involve asking for need it can be anything to pray for the the gladness of someone else to praise with them to mourn with them, to um, to bring their their sins perhaps before the Lord, and it's not so much what is needed, but what needs to be taken away. We pray for others' salvation. There are many things that we intercede. Jesus Christ intercedes for us, our advocate, the, the Spirit intercedes in prayer when, when we have not the words. So we can look at the needs of others and the, and the states of others and we can uh, intercede for them. And giving of thanks, of course. <laughs> to appreciate them. And to acknowledge the goodness of God. It is a command to uh, individually come to God in prayer. Not only... Um, with needs and praise, but in thanksgiving for what God has already done, for the many countless rich blessings that he has uh, already given us, and, and, and for the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, that we, we cannot imagine how precious and valuable that is. To give thanks to God, but but to be appreciative of those we intercede for as well, because it applies to, and we'll read later, 
those in authority. The next verse, it tells us um, who can we pray for. It takes these general um, congregational ideas of prayer and he says, to all men, to everyone, but especially to the kings and to the authorities. It says for kings and all in authority, all in eminence, your boss, your teacher, your, your president, not just for the guy in charge, but for everyone. In authority. What we should pray, who we should pray about, and why. Why we should pray for them in this way. And there are two things here. The peace And the conduct that comes from our prayers. Firstly, it is the peaceable, um, sorry, I'll just read it again, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's interesting uh, to consider uh, a, a quiet um as the the trouble from within to um, to think that our prayers how we how we uh, pray for those in authority and the prayers that we uh, bring to God in intercession it says so we may live a quiet and peaceable life internally free from trouble and i don't think i need to illustrate this in any out there way we just turn on the radio we look at the news on a daily basis we look at how the world health organization is handling things how the presidents are how this is how people in authority making questionable decisions or or uh doing all kinds of things that will keep us up at night, making us worry, making us question, making us um, debate. People are divided on, on, on so many fronts. What is the best way to handle this pandemic? And, uh, and we are troubled on the inside. Do we pray so that we may live a quiet and troubleless internal person uh, so that we may uh, be free from that worry? Lord, I have given this to you in prayer. The other one is peaceable. 
from the from the external trouble. <clears throat> now we know that um, this is not um, do this and this will happen. That's not what is being promised in this passage, and that's not how we should read it. Things are not quiet and peaceable on the outside. Not always. But if that's our desire for this world, the peace of God, how do we go about enacting that? Do we raise our pitchforks at all the injustice in the world and once every injustice has been uh, quenched, then there will be peace? That sounds like the plot of of a villain, the motivation of a villain. We cannot solve the world's problems so easily, swiftly. If we want a quiet, uh, a, a peaceable life, if we want to be um, living a peaceable life with our government, and, and with the world, the way to do that is not through um, human wisdom and power. It is through prayer. Only, only God can uh, achieve that. And He will one day, ultimately and finally. But if there is any route to peace with the people we live with and with our government and with our nation and other nations, is it not firstly through prayer that we leave it in the Lord's uh, sovereign control? We trust in Him. Lord, we want peace for our nation. And to know that he alone, in his wisdom and will, can bring it. That's where a uh, peaceable life begins, in prayer. That's, once again, the line in the sand. Where do we begin our interaction with the world as a church? And then it says... Um, life in all godliness and reverence. And there, these are two aspects uh, that's very interesting. Let's consider it quickly. In all godliness, you know, there's an old English word that uh, that encompasses um, how we live out our faith, what we believe, and then what we do with it. Um, it's called piety. I think it's a it's a really descriptive word we don't use very often. Um, but if you read some of the old uh, commentaries, uh, this word is is is, is used w when they're talking about godliness. How how does our be our um, our call to be Christ-like look when we when we live out our faith and we, we 
the Bible, and this is a bigger study than what we have today, but but we could use the word piety there. How our actions reflect uh, on God and reflect God to the world. In all godliness and reverence, some translations use the word honesty, Uh, the word gravity can also be used. It's referring to reverence in the context of um, of how we conduct ourselves to the world. If piety is referring how we translate our beliefs to our actions, reverence or gravity for those in authority, respect and the decorum of our our conduct in the world. So let's bring it down uh, a little bit. We should care what people think. Not in a broad stroke sense, but it matters how the world looks at the church, our actions and our words and our conduct can be damaging to the name of Christ if we are irreverent the authorities in power. It is very tempting to stand behind the sword of self-righteousness and excuse um, questionable actions, actions with the idea, I will not follow the laws of the land. I follow only God and you, what you're doing is contradictory to God. And, uh, and I am standing in rebellion and I, I, am, uh, I am ready to be thrown in the furnace. <laughs> Daniel's friends who would not bow. We have to be very careful when we motivate our actions like that. It can be that that is not representative of the actual situation or the reality of it. And, um, and it says here that our actions matter to God. This leads in to our, our next verse. It says in verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. <clears throat> when we do this, we are not submitting to these governments, to the people in authority. When we do this, we are submitting to God 
first because he commands it and it's good and acceptable in his sight that we do so. When we pray for our government, in spite of questionable decisions, in spite of um, anything, we pray for our government and act with piety and decorum and live peaceably. Our, our prayer, how we pray, it's just the way uh, humans are put together. It affects how we, how we see the things that we pray for. And, and when we do that, we are submitting to God. So conversely, or um, if you flip that coin around, if we are constantly defiant against the government and we are constantly um, holding up this uh, to motivate questionable actions, actions that, that might not really be in here, Because there is some motivation of I am I am righteous and I'm standing for God and the government is evil and I am good. Um, you might be rebelling against God and not actually against the authorities that you're so strongly standing against. I'm speaking hypothetically. I'm not thinking of any specific situation or, or person. I, I just want us to understand that when we submit to the authorities of this world and we pray for them as a church, it matters to God. This was written in a time where the persecution of the church was was unmatched compared to any other period in, in human history, I would say. The entirety of, of, of Christendom has been oppressed. Today we, we see that in many countries around the world, but there are many countries with religious freedom. When this was written... Nero was the key, was the emperor of Rome, and there is historical records, first century uh, writers, commenters, people, uh, pagan through and through. No love for the Christians, no um, no pity, uh, writing about Nero's actions. And they noted that the way the Christians were being persecuted at the height of his, um, his persecution uh, time, it was obvious that his actions were less because they uh, broke the law of not worshipping the emperor, but that he gained personal satisfaction 
from seeing them suffer in the most cruel and creative ways that he could think of. A sadist. For an unbelieving historian to write about the actions and say, that's a bit much and unnecessary. We can't imagine that kind of persecution. Paul was writing to Timothy in about this time. He said, we need to pray for the people in charge. That is rough. <laughs> yes, they were obedient to the law of God first by not worshipping the emperor. But they still recognized him as the one in authority and treated it as such. One Christian uh, apologist of the time um, trying to inform the, the general public of what Christianity is about. There was so much misinformation said that the, the Christian um, ethos is, is, is one that can, um, that can be good for the empire. We're not out to break any laws or start any rebellion. We acknowledge your authority. But we won't worship you. I don't think we're there. <laughs> and I don't think our actions are always in line with the biblical view of how the church should see those in authority. Sundays we have a, a prayer meeting actually via Zoom and we pray as a church. Many of our church people has, uh, has attended this over the, over the weeks. If you're not aware of it and you would like to join um, uh, WhatsApp, our church cell phone number, and we could add you to that and, and send you notifications every Sunday when when we do have that. Um, but we we meet on Zoom and we pray for each other and it's been amazing. It's not been something that um, we've done this actively and it's something that's definitely going to continue Lord willing, when we meet as a church again, corporate prayer is, uh, is something that, that we need to train ourselves in as a church. And Paul applies it to a very specific situation here for the people in charge. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the amazing gift of prayer. We can bring our voices to you for the intercessions and the praise. We thank you for the governments that you in your infinite wisdom has put in place 
that we do not understand everything that they may be doing but we pray for them there is great need for wisdom and decision making and we thank you for at least in our country the political systems the the laws that have been put in place for a democratic rule that if we feel uh, unjust uh, in that that we can have a voice and vote and and speak out in a biblical way we thank you for this privilege in this country and we know it's not a privilege in every country we pray for those leaders that they may find salvation and find the truth in you in jesus name we pray amen have a blessed day and thank you